wow. As entrepreneurs, every one of us wants to build fantastic businesses. We want to accelerate our success, and there's nothing that's more powerful in enabling us to do that than technology. It is giving us unbelievable tools, each and every one of us. I mean, this podcast, whether you're watching us on video or listening to us on audio, the ability to put tools like this together for almost no money at all and to reach unbelievably to our clients and serve them well. But there's a dark side, really an evil side. Just as you and your fellow entrepreneurs can use technology, criminals can too. And I have one of the most remarkable individuals who's going to join us today. He's got a law enforcement background that is amazing. Matter of fact, when I first met Mark Goodman, I reached out to him and hired him. And I've paid him tens of thousands of dollars for the advice that you're going to get today so that you can protect your business, protect your clients, and continue to deliver tremendous value. I'm John Bowen. We're at ASNation.com. Stay tuned. You do not want to miss this. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep. Think bold. Drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. Mark. I am so excited to have you here. You know, you, you and I have been friends for a number of years now. I've watched your career and just really take off. And uh, you got a new book coming out. We're going to be talking about future crimes. But, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing what you've accomplished and the insights you've shared with me and my fellow uh, clients, our coaching clients and entrepreneurs. And I wanted to bring you on the podcast to do that today. So, first of all, thank you for joining us with the magic of Skype. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure to be here. Really happy to chat with you. You know, before we go in, I, I always love the backstory of every entrepreneur. And, and you, you've got a little bit more colorful one. I'm going back to the, I'm thinking word perfect. I remember the first time you told me how you became this tech genius, and, you know, the criminal side and, the, and really the progression. But before we kind of dive into all about you know how this affects us as entrepreneurs and how we can deal with it effectively. I'd love to just have you share a little of the progression of how you became who you are, you know, now recognized as really one of the leaders in the world on future crimes. Well, for me, it all started out uh, with career in public service. As a young kid, I watched a lot of cop shows on television. I saw the cops walking around the neighborhood uh, in New York where I grew up, and I said, wow, that's cool. I'd really like to be part of that. So I applied and went to the police academy uh, and became a police officer. Worked in a variety of assignments. I was a patrol officer, a supervisor, and a detective investigator. And during those early days, um, I got lots of cool cases. But one of the things I noticed is that bad guys were using technology too. And one day I was working as an investigator, and my lieutenant screamed my name across the detective squadron. Goodman, get your ass over here. I'm like, okay, boss, what's up? How, what did I do? He said, I got a question for you. I said, yeah. He says, tell me, do you know how to spell check in Word perfect? And I said, sure, shift F2. And he smiled, a knowing smile, and he said, I knew you were my guy. I got a case for you. 
It's a computer case, and you're the only guy that can handle it. So as it turns out, knowing how to spell check in WordPerfect made me amongst the techno elite of cops back in the day. And from there, things just took off. And what, Mark, what year was that? That would have been 1995 or so. So it was very early days. I mean, really, the Internet, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't being used by, you know, us as entrepreneurs very much and certainly the criminals yet. Give a little of the progression that you did just so because it's it's one thing to you know have been a, I mean it's great to have been a beat cop you know to serve the public as you had you know progress and became one of the senior technology uh, you know one of the major cities but you didn't stop there. No I was very very intently curious I went back to grad school at the Kennedy School learned more about science and technology took some classes at MIT as well to learn about uh, from the business school there at the Sloan School of Management, uh, at the law school, to learn as much as I could. And then I went and founded the Internet Unit for the police department. From there, I went to London. I was at the London School of Economics. There was a computer security research center there that I was at. And then I got recruited into Interpol, uh, the International Criminal Police Organization. And I spent about a decade working with them on international organized crime around the world, uh, trying to help police get up to speed on these issues and helping them track down bad guys in more than 70 different countries. From Interpol, I did a few other things. I worked with the U.S. Secret Service in New York on an electronic crimes task force, worked with the FBI as their futurist in residence. And after that, back in 2010, after 20 years of government, a light bulb finally went on. And I said, hmm, government, there may be something else out there for me. And after 20 years, I decided to jump ship uh, and become an entrepreneur. Moved to Silicon Valley, ensconced myself in that culture, learned as much as I could about the technology. And because I'd always approached these issues from the policing side, from the national security side. So what was interesting is building up my experience and expertise on the tech front. No better place, obviously, than Silicon Valley. And that's where I brought it all together. Well, and one of the, I'm going to put one more piece in because we were together recently at Peter Diamandis's Abundance 360 and Peter Diamandis and Ray Kurzweil uh, put together a university, Singularity University, and uh, they wanted you uh, bad to be there to share. And I mean, this is, uh, all of you, anyone listening or watching this should take a look at Singularity University and what they're doing. They're just bringing the best minds together on the future. You know, and, and as entrepreneurs, we can create the future if we know the trends that it's going, and, that, you know, they're, and it's largely technology, but they've asked Mark to lead this part as well and um, you know just I hear nothing but great things of what you're doing up there well thank you as you point out Singularity University is awesome co-founded by Peter Diamantis and Ray Kurzweil Google and NASA got together and created this school so to give you a sense for the power behind it housed on the campus of the NASA Ames Research Park and our our instructors are roboticists and synthetic biologists and astronauts and big data scientists and you have some of the biggest and brightest minds in the world coming together to use all of these technologies that you mentioned when you opened up the podcast for the greatest possible public good. And my take on all of that is very much the same, but I'm the guy that knows a little bit about the dark side. And so I talk about the downsides of these technologies and try to let the students at the university know 
that there's a flip side and what some of those dangers are and how to prevent well let's let's dive into that because that's what really what all of us care here there no one's going to be more qualified than you to do this and i want to make sure we get it from you mark uh you know, when we, we think about, you know, in today's world, uh, you know, we're just so interconnected. And why don't you talk about, you know, how that interconnection, because most people understand, well, I've got the internet, you know, I can connect, I got uh, Facebook and Skype and, you know, all these different social media sites, I've got my email and everything. And they know kind of on the f surface what's going on, but they don't really know kind of what's going on you know, deep. And, and, and I'm going to say for someone like myself, um, I know a little bit more. I was reading your book. and We'll go over your book in a little bit. But I mean, it's kind of you're taking that a little different spin. I'm looking at it from a marketing perspective. We're sharing, you know, it allows me to communicate with people I can serve and so on. But we're collecting vast amounts of data. And I don't think most people understand what's really going on in the background. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, the obvious upsides of technology are manifest, right? It's so helpful in so many ways. And I want to be really clear that my goal here is not to poo-poo technology or talk it down. I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. Besides the work that you're doing, it'll help us drive amazing change in the world, whether it's radical life extension, curing diseases, reducing infant mortality, bringing billions of people out of poverty. So technology is great. But there is this ominous flip side, and it has a lot to do with connectivity. And the fact of the matter is, is that we are connected to people all over this planet, and some of them we might not want to be. So just to put it in kind of physical world perspective, in the old days, if you lived in Palo Alto, California, or Brooklyn, New York, and were walking down the street, you might have to worry about being robbed by a crook in your neighborhood, either with a knife or a gun. But now, thanks to the benefit of technology, the crook no longer be, needs to be co-located with you. As you're sitting in front of your computer or on your smartphone, somebody in Kiev or Lagos or El Salvador, thousands of miles away, can just as easily get into your life and steal your money and cause you harm. The connectivity uh, is on our computers, it's on our smartphones, but it's in so many other things that people don't realize, even beyond our social networks. Yeah, you know, Mark, I was thinking when you're saying, uh, you know, in uh, Russia, somebody doing it. I mean, last year, um, my controller shot me an email and said, hey, it's great. You're going to the Super Bowl. Hope you enjoy. And I sent an email back and I said, I'm not going. Why would you say that? Right. He said, well, you just spent $10,000 on tickets. And uh, the, the American, Somebody just spent yeah, $10,000. Well, in, in the American Express, uh, I was talking with it because I said I was very interested in this thing. And they said, yeah, no. They had uh, some uh, Russian group had you know, charged a buck on my credit card, random numbers, to make sure it was working and then hit 10000 and, uh, you know, we, we were able to cancel it because my controller was reviewing bills. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, you, you don't think of that. I mean, it's kind of like you're violating. We're seeing, I mean, I've got tons of stories where it's just happened to me and friends and everything. And then we've got some big media side. But it's, it's just, you know, we're so interconnected now. We take it for granted. Absolutely. And by the way, just to point out something that happened to you to help your guests, you know, be informed about this, that methodology of the $1 charge, the $1.50 charge, that's criminals testing your network. They're testing your number. They're testing, you know, the pin code. They're testing it to see if it goes through. And once that goes through, then you get hit with the big five, $10,000 charge after. So very common. But beyond all the technologies of today, 
there is a tsunami of technology coming down the pike that most people don't realize. So all the things in our lives that used to be physical devices or mechanical devices are turning themselves into information technologies, right? Mark Andreessen famously said, software is eating the world. Everything is becoming software or hardware. So for example, a printer, the one that Gutenberg created, used to be a physical device. Now it is a computer. That car that Henry Ford you know, created and, and put off the manufacturing line, those are computers. The average modern automobile has 250 microchips in it. It controls everything from your airbags, your braking, your car stereo, your windshield wipers. And those 250 microchips can and have been hacked. So a car today is not just a mechanical device, it's actually a computer that you ride in. An elevator is a computer that you ride in. An airplane is a Solaris box that you fly in. And we're even taking these computers and putting them inside our bodies. So pacemakers, defibrillators, cochlear implants, diabetic pumps, those are computers that we put into our bodies and they're all hackable. So the subtitle of the book, Future Crimes, is Everything is Connected, everyone is vulnerable and what we can do about it. And just one last point on the, the number of connections. People think today that yes, we have the internet, it's ubiquitous, we have two billion people online, but the internet today is tiny. We are at the earliest minutes of the earliest hours of the earliest days of the internet. It will explode. Today we use internet protocol version four, IPv4 for short. But in the next few years, we're switching to internet protocol version six. That means that we are going to go metaphorically from an internet today that seems so big, but is metaphorically actually the size of a golf ball to an internet the size of the sun. That means a huge growth. And the more things that are connected, the more things that are vulnerable. Well, and Mark, it's not only the more things connected, as you've taught me, it's the more people, too. I mean, what we, you know, I was just reaching over, let me grab a hold of my smartphone, and, you know, the, I have an iPhone 6 at this time, and I probably had one, two, three, four, five, six along the way, and some Android phones, too. And, you know, the power that I have there, the interconnective, uh, that you have, and now we're going to have, you know, we can debate how many years, but we're going to have another 3 billion of the 7 billion people in the world. They're kind of skipping a whole bunch of technology, and all of a sudden they're going to have smartphones too. And it's amazing the opportunity. As entrepreneurs, either they're going to be our customers or they're going to be our customers' customers. It's going to have a huge amount of They're going to be our competitors. I mean, it's going to be a lot of wealth creation, but also, you know, that vulnerability part. There's a lot of people coming online with some really sophisticated tools, and we're all interconnected. Yeah, and that smartphone that you just held up, most people don't realize the power of Moore's Law, the fact that the power of technology is doubling every 18 months. So that means 18 months from now, your computer will be you know, half the price and twice as powerful. So that iPhone that you just held up, believe it or not, had more computing power on that one iPhone in terms of processing power of, of the chip than that was available to all of NASA during the Apollo 11 launch. You have more computing power in your hand than all of NASA did. So the next obvious question is, what will that iPhone be like a few years from now or 10 years from now? No, and, it, and it's, I mean, really, I, I want everybody to take what Mark just said, that Apollo 11, you know, going to the moon, 
versus, you know, we're just kind of walking around within our pocket, this power. And it's not only us. I, I believe there's about uh, close to 3 billion devices or um, people using. I think there's more than that in devices there out there. There are more devices than there are people on the planet. Yeah. Also, there's more than there are people on the planet. So when we look at this, and, you know, this is just, I mean, I get so excited about technology, the opportunity. Uh, it allow it enables us as entrepreneurs to really magnify. You know, we once we get nail a client experience, whatever whatever we're delivering, uh, uh, the ability to scale it up and create systems around it, and you know, the global world is our client. I mean, this is great, but there it makes us more vulnerable. Let's, Mark, let's talk about you know. There's some recent press that's gone on. I'm thinking of two big ones. Uh, one, I I, I have. Uh, Couple, I have a couple. Of, I have a black card because I travel so much. Black card with American Express. I have a Palladium card with J.P. Morgan, and uh, they're expensive cards to even produce. I think, and they're a little marketing gimmick and all that. And and I remember when Target uh, happened, and I, you know, ah, uh, as a consumer, it's such a pain. But both those companies sent me you know, their big packaging and made it dramatic of how they're protecting me and gave me a new credit card. Um, but there's so much backstory behind it and, you know, what protection is going on. Maybe you start with Target. You know, how did that happen? I mean, this is, yeah, this is a really good business. These people are responsible. They're working hard on this. How, how could anything like that happen in today's world? Well, it actually goes back to that point that we were just discussing of our interconnection. So what happened in that case with the Target case, you know, uh, two Christmases ago now, uh, was that the point of sale terminals where everybody swipes their credit cards, those were hacked. But think about those little terminals. What are they? They're just small computers. They're hardware and software. And somebody was able to get into them. How did they get into them? Did they go to 100 Target stores and, you know, hack each device, you know, of the 100 checkout registers that they have individually? No, they did it on the Internet. Here's the fascinating thing that people wouldn't realize, and for your uh, podcast listeners that are business owners, just to show the power of that interconnectivity and how it can make us vulnerable, how did they get into the Target point-of-sale terminals? Via the air conditioning. What? Yes, via the air conditioning. As it turns out, Target used a third-party contractor to manage their HVAC systems across the whole country. And one guy at that company clicked on an email that had an attachment on it. He downloaded the attachment, it infected his computer, and then that was used to get into the heating and air conditioning systems. From that, they were able to get into the target vendor system, from that into the main target systems, and eventually climb all the way through to the individual cash registers. By the way, that attack was carried out by a 20-year-old kid in Russia. Uh, it's, so, it, it's amazing. <laughs> you said you mentioned that you got a new credit card. You aren't alone. Over 100 million people were impacted by that. What does that mean? That means that one 20-year-old kid had the power to affect and rob one-third of America. That's the paradigm shift in crime that people don't understand. We went from that old school robbery, a guy hiding in an alley, a dark alley with a gun or a knife, and robbing one person at a time, to now robbing 100 million people. We've solved the fundamental challenge of crime 
which I would say is probably the fundamental challenge of all the business owners listening to your podcast, John, which is how do I scale and grow my business? Criminals could only rob a few people a day. Now they can rob, one criminal can rob 100 million people. That is a game changer. And that's why we're seeing these vast cyber attacks and threats that we have. Let's, let's do one more high profile. And then I'm going to go one example that touches everybody as well. Um, and, and these high profile ones make the press, but there's a lot of them that don't make the press. And let's go to Sony. I mean, this is, you know, um, just the amazing the amount of damage that was done to a company's reputation, business line. And this is, you know, um, Target reacted reasonably well. I, I think we can debate the level um, as we're all learning how to deal with this. Sony, you know, not so sure. Uh, it took them a while to recover on this, but you know, how, how you know, tell us a little bit about what happened behind the scenes. Sure. So, uh, in my book, actually, which was written and turned into the publisher before the latest Sony hack, right? It was just in that stage when they were printing the book. I still had twenty five references to Sony in the book, not talking about what allegedly happened with North Korea, but just all their other hacks against them. The biggest one being the 2011 Sony PlayStation hack. In that hack, over 110 million accounts were compromised. The Sony PlayStation network went down for three weeks. The chairman of Sony appeared both before the U.S. Congress and the Japanese diet. He had to bow before everybody and apologize. So Sony is an excellent victim. Okay, there are lots of people who are, you know, you mentioned Target that kind of recover quickly. Sony as a company has really pissed off hackers and they're doing it because of their digital rights management. They've been very aggressive at, in going after hackers and the hackers are fighting back. And so they are the perennial victim. And if you look at how they handle that attack from a crisis management perspective, from a pre-planning perspective, from a response perspective, it was a textbook case in what not to do, okay? So, so many missteps. I actually was interviewed by The Economist and I talked about this. If you would think of any company that should be prepared for a hack more than anybody else, it would be Sony because they have this legacy of massive breaches. So it was not done well. You had different parts of the company issuing different press releases that said different things. They said they were going to pull the movie. They caved to the hackers and they agreed not to pull the movie. They were criticized by the president. So everything that could go wrong from a PR perspective, from a branding perspective, and from a financial perspective did go wrong. To your question of what exactly happened, basically back in late November of 2014, as tens of thousands of Sony Picture Entertainment employees showed up at their desktops around the world and turned on the computers, they were met with this banner ad on their machine that basically said, you've been hacked. So rather than seeing the Sony logo, they saw the logo from a hacker group calling themselves the Guardians of Peace. And the Guardians of Peace went in and took over the entire Sony network. And it was on their desktops, it was on their mobile phones and the like. And so obviously that caused them to freak out. They called in the FBI, they began the investigation. And ultimately many people assessed, including the US government, the president, the NSA and the FBI, that North Korea was behind this attack. And the reason why North Korea allegedly attacked was because of the movie called The Interview, in which uh, two comedians went ahead and depicted the assassination of Kim Jong-un. And so the North Koreans weren't going to have all of that. We can talk about whether or not it was North Korea. I certainly have some doubt 
doubts about that. Um, but let's talk about what the impact was on the Sony Corporation because for your business customers and listeners, uh, the same could happen to them. Basically, the Sony hack showed how desperately vulnerable we are and how extremely dependent we are on technology. As a result of the hack, all of Sony's network, its computer infrastructure were hacked, including its telephone infrastructure. That meant that Sony employees for weeks and weeks and weeks could not use email, could not log on to their corporate Sony email. They were all told to generate Gmail accounts, right? So you've got all of Sony now communicating via Gmail. They were told not to use their smartphones, Apple or Android. Instead, they were told to pass messages to one another on pieces of paper and to revert back to fax machines. They used a sneaker net and a phone tree. So when the chairman of Sony Pictures Entertainment wanted to get out word to tens of thousands of employees, each employee was given a list of telephone numbers and told to call 10 friends and then 10 friends like that old game telephone in high school. In terms of the impact, the social Sony made so many mistakes. And I don't want to blame the victim here. I get that information security is hard, but they did so many rookie errors. For example, they kept the social security number of 47,000 employees unencrypted on somebody's hard drive. All of that data was taken. They had a Word document with everybody's password in a Word document entitled Password List. Okay? Completely unencrypted. And worst of all, they stored their employees' medical records in an unencrypted computer on the Sony network. So the hackers released the name of individual Sony employees and noted that they had cancer, that they were being treated for depression, all of this stuff. So all of this data that the company didn't even know that they were keeping leaked. And then, of course, their scripts leaked, their movie budgets, films, the new James Bond movie, it all leaked, costing them hundreds of millions of dollars in intellectual property. Yeah, and, and one of the things I want everybody to take a step back to is that you know, the reality is that we're all vulnerable. I mean, we're giving two high-profile cases. I gave my little one. You know, we've had a number of different things in my businesses and so on. I certainly have many entrepreneurial friends, small, mid-sized businesses that have had some real disasters that have knocked them off for a week or two. And one of the things, Mark, I want to go to is because, you know, we can go on all the story after story. But, you know, what do we do? To protect ourselves you know what are some of the steps that we can do as entrepreneurs to, to, to really be smart about this and you know we can't protect ourselves you know we could I have one friend who uh, won't connect with the internet he's just totally convinced that that's kind of our tactile in life right. but you know for, that's not an option for the vast majority of what what, what are some of the, the steps we should take well the great news is as you said we can go on and on and talk about all the hacks out there, but there are a tremendous amount of things that businesses and even individuals can do. In the book, I have something called the Update Protocol, where I take people through all of these steps, and it's a tested methodology. So if you follow the Update Protocol, it's been tested and reviewed by the Australian government. Their Ministry of Defense uses it, and it shows that it can reduce your internet threat profile by 85%. So it actually makes a quantitative known difference, and I put all of that in the book. But for businesses in particular, a few things that I can recommend. One is you should create an open source intelligence program on your company. What does that mean? There are people that are discussing how to hack your company 
how to hack your executives. Your intellectual property is showing up online. Your client list, all of that information is leaking. And the challenge is, is that most people, most companies don't know about it until it's too late. The very simple version of this is just creating Google alerts right on your company to see if hackers are talking about it, where it might show up. For larger companies, they can use third parties or build their own in-house team to do that, to actually actively monitor hacker chat boards and things like that in the digital underground. So make sure that you're paying attention because bad guys are discussing how to hack you and how to get in there. That's one thing. The second thing is you need to red team and test your assumptions. What's red teaming? It's actually a term that dates back to the military uh, for military exercises, right? America was considered the blue team. The red team were the Soviets, right, the Russians. And so the red team would go up against the blue team and try to break into the America or, you know, launch warfare. Every day, the bad guys are in your systems. Most people don't realize it, but... A study done by Verizon and the U.S. Secret Service showed that 75% of corporate systems could be penetrated within 15 minutes, right? And another study said that the average time to discovery from the time the hackers break into your network until you discover them is 211 days. That means for seven months, the bad guys are roaming around your network, copying everything, seeing what it is that they want to take of yours, and you have no idea. You, the old model of cybersecurity was building big walls and keeping people out. We'll build tall fences and moats and we'll block everybody from coming in. That does not work anymore. Your assumption should be, and I believe this wholeheartedly, and the FBI director has mentioned this, they're already there. The barbarians are not just at the gate. They've overrun the castle. So the new methodology is you need to go after them and proactively hunt them down because they're living there. So red team exercises, whether you do it with people in your own company, whether you bring in outside experts, you should try to break your own systems to see if you can and see what you can learn because the bad guys are already doing that. And uh, another thing, I'm sorry, did you have a question? No, go ahead, Mark. This is great. Uh, really very yeah. valuable. Another thing to keep in mind is that you need an adult in charge of security, right? And for medium sized, even large corporations, there may be a chief security officer or a chief information security officer, a CIO, but many of those people certainly don't have the background to understand bad guys. They're great people, you know, they spent their whole year in tech, their whole career in technology. Maybe they started out at the help desk and they've worked their way up and they're very sophisticated, you know, they have degrees in computer science, but they don't understand criminals. And you need somebody who understands criminals. You need somebody in charge of your risk management and security who's as good as their job as you are. And the big problem is, is that most companies break that down into groups. So they take the head of the CIO and they make him in charge of IT security. They may have an old retired police officer, FBI agent that they put in charge of physical security, the guards, the gates, the guns, the employee badges. And then they take the head of HR or people, and they put them in charge of background investigations of personnel security. And often there's very little coordination and cooperation. You need somebody who's got a 35,000 foot view of your security. And so those would be the main things that I'd recommend. But there's one bonus tip I want to mention for um, businesses of all size, and that is where you store your money. 
People don't realize that the rules and regulations regarding personal bank accounts and business bank accounts are governed by two completely different sets of law. So for a personal bank account, you'll have FDIC insurance. It will protect you in case of loss. With most personal bank accounts, you'll have up to 90 days to notice somebody taking money out of your bank account as your controller did, John, with the $10,000 Super Bowl tickets. You've got 90 days in a personal account. Business bank accounts, however, are almost exclusively covered by UCC, the Uniform Commercial Code, which means that those 15 pages of agreements you signed in four-point font when you opened up your bank account, hidden deep in there, it said, if there's a dispute on your bank account, if you are hacked, if money is missing, you have 24 hours in which to notify the bank. If you don't notify the bank within 24 hours, then you're taking the loss. Criminals have realized this. In the old days, they would go after people's personal bank accounts, but if you rip off 10,000 customers at Citibank, Citibank's got a whole team of folks that are going to go after the hackers that did that. But on the, on the business bank account side, there's no need for Citibank to stick their team of investigators on it because your company is the one that's going to eat that loss. And so we're seeing around the country small, medium businesses having losses of $400,000, $500,000. It's affecting school districts. It's affecting dry cleaners, doctor's offices, volunteer fire departments, and they're on their own. And most companies don't have the cyber insurance in place to help with some of that risk mitigation and to help uh, ease some of that pain. So I would recommend talk to your tax guy to make sure, you know, if you can do this, but do not keep huge amounts of money, you know, millions and millions of dollars in your business account because bad guys are going after it. If you do do that, make sure that you get an alert. You can set these up with your bank that, you know, if more than $1,000, 10000 100000 set the level that makes sense for your business. If that moves, you're immediately notified so that you can take action. Yeah, no, and I've been affected by this too, Mark. So this is a really important one. We have really good systems because I grew up on the financial side and the, the banks do honor the letter of the law, but it's a very tight letter of the law too. And we were able to get reimbursement on it. And it was a, it was a six-figure dollar amount. So it's, you know, right. this, is, this can be material very, very quickly. Let me go to the next segment. This is the book of the day. And, uh, you, you know, we've given you know, four key recommendations. I mean, they're great. Uh, your book, uh, matter of fact, let me put it up. Uh, well, tell, tell us a little bit about what's in the book first. Well, uh, the book is called Future Crimes. Uh, it's coming out by Random House Doubleday. Uh, it talks about all of the threats that we just mentioned. Everyone is connected, or everything is connected, everyone is vulnerable, and what we can do about it. And so it'll take you through amazing stories, right? It's written as narrative nonfiction. It's meant to be fun and interesting. I didn't want to bore you with just statistics or too much science and technology. It's eminently approachable. And so it's kind of got the vibe of, uh, you know, technology mixed with crime thriller. Let me bring it up, because I'm going to put it up, and I'm going to sure. recommend everybody read this, because, you know, it's one, you know, Part of me, Mark, when I, I read it, and I got a chance to read the galley. Uh, you know, I was going. To, it's a, it's a really, it's a great read because it, it's a little bit. I mean, it almost reads as fiction, and then you got to remind yourself. And some great stories and so on. It will scare you a little bit, but it will make you much more aware of what's going on. You know, talking about black ops and robot 
bods and all this stuff. And, you know, many of the things that I knew because I'm in Silicon Valley as well. But what I really liked is you tell us what we can do about it. And we can't go over, all, you know, the whole book, obviously, today. But I, I, I got to tell you, Mark, one of the things I've, I've paid you tens of thousands of dollars to help protect my uh, business as well as my clients' businesses. And for 20 bucks, this is a pretty good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you think so. It's a, a lovely birthday gift. It's good for quinceañeras, bar mitzvahs, Diwali, Kwanzaa. Makes a great No, gift. and it really does. I'm going to encourage everybody to go out and get it. Uh, it is one. Matter of fact, I just bought, uh, I told Mark to ship me a whole bunch of books for all my clients. I'm making this as a gift because it is so valuable. And with that, though, Mark, let's go to the next step on your smartphone. Uh, the next uh, segment is... You know, what's the application of the day? What are you recommending? Well, we all struggle with passwords, right? The average person has more than 20 or 25 different logons for their social media accounts, their bank accounts, their email accounts, and we simply can't remember them all. So we choose silly passwords like 12345 or password, and obviously we get hacked. So there are actually excellent tools out there that can help you manage these passwords, and they're called password wallets. And there are three different companies that I'll recommend. One is called Dashlane, one is LastPass, and another one is called OnePassword, the number one, and then Password. And what they allow you to do is set one really long master password, and then you can store in an encrypted format all your other passwords that they can manage on the fly. So you can have both great security and convenience at the same time. Yeah, I, I love, I use uh, LastPass, but I mean, any of them are good and that you feel like you've actually made a lot of progress and it's easy to use. Because one of the big things of having long passwords, I mean, uh, Mark one time shared with me on my iPhone that I had to have an eight-digit one uh, you know, for security, which really made sense, so I did. But every time I had to type in the eight, you know, it's just a long one. Now, with the fingerprint on the iPhone 6 and some of the Androids, LastPass, it becomes really effortless. And so, you know, one of the, what I love about what you're doing, Mark, is you're making it easier and easier to protect yourself. That's it's so valuable. Let me go to the last segment, and that's resources. And Mark, I want to pull up your website uh, here. What do you have on um, markgoodman.net? So on my personal website, markgoodman.net, you'll see lots of stories that I've written, whether it be for Wired magazine, The Economist. Uh, Atlantic Monthly about various hacks, computer threats, and the things that people can do about them. On futurecrimes.com, you will see where the book is currently listed. We're going to be posting a whole bunch of information on how people can protect themselves. I talked about that update protocol that will be available there. If you sign up at futurecrimes.com, I will be sending out monthly tips on how to protect your kids online, how to protect your business, how to protect yourself on social networks, how to protect your smartphones and the like. So in both places, you can find good information. And the last place you'll find me is on Twitter at, at Future Crimes, where I'm tweeting out breaking news of things you can do. The goal with all of this, John, and, and you pointed out, it's education, it's empowerment. Yes, some of this stuff can seem both daunting and scary, but as I mentioned, there are a ton of things that you can do. My goal is not to frighten. My goal is to empower you so that you in your own businesses and in your own family life can use these awesome and amazing technological tools to the greatest possible benefit. That's what I'm here Yeah, for. that's great, Mark. Let me go to the last 
last segment. I'd like to just kind of summarize the key takeaways. I mean, to me, what we need to recognize, I mean, this is a subtitle of Mark's book, everything is connected. There is no privacy. It is dead. We are connected. Uh, both all our data is out there. It's easy to find us, the whole thing. Everyone is vulnerable. So we've got to start thinking of these protocols and be very thoughtful about doing it. Mark gave some great suggestions. The book has phenomenal ones. They are not, you know, I mean, it's not a hundred pages of recommendations. It's very thoughtful step by step how you can do it so that you can protect yourself, your family, your business, you know, really everyone you love and make that difference and be an extremely successful entrepreneur. So what I'm encouraging you to do, go buy the book. You're going to be glad you did. Your, your teammates, everybody will be because you're going to be protecting them and your family. With that, your clients, your future clients, they're all counting on you. Don't let them down. Execute, execute this. All the best. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.